We are two mothers who loves exploring the depth of life in all its shapes. Here we want to create a space to look at the transition into motherhood, what it might look like in different traditions and cultures, conscious parenting, the sacredness of birth, and the postpartum universe. By sharing stories, inviting guests, and together reconnect to the wisdom of our womb and Mother Earth through different practices. Welcome everybody to the Depths of Motherhood podcast. Angelica and I are so happy to have you here this week, as always. We just have this very, very powerful episode that we want to share with you. So today we have Christina Turner on the show. Christina is a writer and a birth activist with 25 years experience. She wrote the book Natural Birth, a holistic guide to pregnancy, childbirth and breastfeeding after giving birth to her children. The deeply transformative experience she had during these births led her to focus on providing more women with the opportunity to experience undisturbed births. She is a vocal advocate for women's rights in childbirth and evidence-based maternity care. Christina believes that the way we treat the natural world is linked to our collectively held view on the feminine as a resource for exploitation. I love that so much. That's why I said it slow and clear. <laughs> this has led to her to pursue a connection with the sacred feminine and sustainable plant medicine. I wish we went more into that actually in the show, maybe next time. Christina trained as a sacred birth keeper with Glastonbury Goddess Temple in 2020 and is a certified Red 10 Women's Circle facilitator. She lives in Stockholm, but often travels to England to spend time with her children. And the way that we know Christina is that she supported Angelica through her pregnancy. So she is co-founder of Own Your Birth. And this is a space where mothers and families can come to get information so that they can make informed choices to take charge of their pregnancy and their journey and give birth on their own terms. So yeah, I know you're excited because that was some incredible information about her. So I want to tell you a little bit about what you are going to find in this episode. So we're going to be looking at some... Oh my gosh, we go so many directions and it's incredible. I was just sat most of the time with my mouth open and just thinking, wow, why didn't I meet this woman before during my pregnancy? I'm so glad Angelica had her. So we're gonna look at how Own Your Birth came to life and what they have to offer because they are bringing some incredible experts to the table to share information and resources. And all the information is recorded and available to access right now. So after you've listened to this episode, you should definitely go and check ownyourbirth.se out. Christina will be sharing with us her spiritual journey through childbirth and how it's really helped her to get to this point. So we have the honor of hearing her incredible birth story. And we look at the connection between birth and death. We'll be going into the way that women are being manipulated and gaslighted during pregnancy and birth and postpartum. We'll be looking at how we can really understand what is our truth, peel back the layers of the patriarchal system 
and the ideas that have been put on us to really start to build and create a new structure, one that we believe in, one that can stand strong for the generations to come. And as we go into the episode, there's really just this strong energy holding the whole show, reminding us of our power as women and how we're all connected and woven together and it's all about this remembrance. This is a global movement and people are really stepping up. So whether you are pregnant right now, whether you are putting yourself out there in the world to be an advocate for mothers, this show is for you. We'll go into how we can really take responsibility for our experience and nurture the parts of us that just don't know and when we connect all these incredible people around the world doing the work right now we start to receive answers to things that maybe we were not aware of before so we become empowered because we can question things and see if they are right for us and finally we look at the support that is offered for our partners the people that are holding that sacred space with us this as i mentioned before goes in so many directions and it's so deep and so powerful that i hope you can stay tuned right to the very end so before we go into the show i want to take the time to make some connections from the history of childbirth to the present day i will not even scrape the surface but it wakes something up inside of me as we explore how we've come to the point of needing to reclaim our power as mothers it just seems crazy like what happened to make us think that other people know what's best for us and since when has childbirth been deemed as unsafe i only have so many hours in the day to do research so if any of this information is incorrect please let me know or if there's anything that you want me to add then again just send me a message and i can slip that into another episode so firstly what does obstetric violence mean the term obstetric violence originated in south america in 2007 it's usually defined as the medical appropriation of women's bodies and reproductive processes during childbirth which causes a loss of autonomy and deny women their rights to make decisions about their bodies and sexuality huh even saying that it kind of gets blurry because there's so many big words and I'm just glad that you've got this episode to really understand what this means and know what your rights are or the rights of the people that you're working with. So how has it come to this? When it shows that communities are thriving when women, mothers and children are at the heart of it. In these communities where every woman knew how to attend births and midwives were there in case there was a complication. Midwives were there to actually oversee the birth and protect rituals and everyone else had their own role to support the mother. The shame and guilt that remain within our bodies and actually catches like splinters when the memories come up, all of that can be loved when we understand that we have been groomed, manipulated and controlled by a patriarchal and capitalistic system. In the 18th century, huge shifts started to take place. The history is so vast and we will hopefully go into this deeper with a guest speaker very very soon. Somebody who spends a life researching this. But for now this is just a whistle stop tour of 
what I've come up with. <laughs> so men attempted to run the show, distorting the people's minds to think that childbirth was unsafe. And they would be there to save the mother and the baby from the woman's body. So already looking at the woman as a failing system, and I'm, I'm not saying system myself, but these are the terms I use. It's very industrial, industrial language because that was the time of the industrial movement and we're seen as these machines that give out babies. So mothers, oh my gosh, it makes me, honestly, makes me want to cry. And actually I did cry when I first read this. But I've digested a lot now as I've gone through my research. So just imagine this. Mothers were tied to the bed, drugged, and the baby was removed using forceps. Oh, right? Crazy. By the 1950s, 80% of births were in hospitals with a physician. In the 1970s, the natural birth movement emerged. Mothers began experimenting with home births and water births. The movement, however, has been criticised for making women who want to use doctors and epidurals feel like their births are less natural or like they've never experienced real childbirth. Oh, every mother has the right to choose their path and it starts with understanding what happens in birth and how it can be naturally supported. So whatever anybody chooses to decide, they are not less than. They are doing the best that they know how the information they have and what they f what they think is going to be safe for them so it's not just the system that needs spotlighting we also have to take into account the culture and beliefs that are held within us and around us a feeling of being safe comes from awareness understanding what is happening and feeling safe enough to ask questions so if your care provider is not allowing you to ask questions or they're shaming you in some way, that is a red flag to get out of there and look for a new care provider or even just ask them, why is it a problem that I have these questions? Why can you not answer them? There is no routine intervention or investigation which does not deserve your consent. The body keeps score of everything that happens. Just remember that. And I'm just... I can't wait for you to listen to Christina talk so beautifully about the spiritual aspect of an undisturbed birth. And again, that can look so different for everybody. We are here to remember our innate wisdom and to let our children be wild and free, to live a reality that we believe in and to let this just ripple out to the world around us. I really hope that you enjoy the show. I'm going to drop us in by guiding you into a gentle meditation to offer anything that's coming up for you right now that's disturbing you in some ways, disturbing your balance, to offer it to the earth. And before I start the meditation, I just want to remind you that we now have a Patreon. So if you would like to support Angelica and I with this podcast, then you can find all the information in the notes of how to join the Patreon and keep this podcast alive and kicking. Also, we have the Instagram group, which we are building an incredible, incredible community on, incredible, and the Anonymous Mothers Discord community 
so you can go on there ask any questions or maybe give support advice your story it's all there for you and we are continuously growing and transforming and we are we are just so so happy to be here sharing this with you welcome back to your body how is your breath right now just to notice it's dance without trying to change anything how is your physical body right now does it feel full of energy heavy balanced how is your mind start by imagining your bare feet on the earth the warm rich soil weaving between your toes mm, the energy of the earth moving up through the soles of your feet all the way to the crown of your head passing through your arms to your fingers Notice the warmth from the earth nourishing you, reminding you of your innate wisdom, melting away all of the structures that have been forced onto you, all the ideas of how you should be to fit into this society. Breathing into the heart space, feeling the pulse of the earth. If there's something that's coming up for you in this moment, or maybe there's something that's happened recently that knocked you off balance, without any expectations, in your mind, offer this heaviness or this confusion or this messy energy, however you want to describe it, however it feels inside of you, offer it up to the earth you can even see yourself placing the palms of your hands on the earth. Thank you, Mother Earth, for being there. For transforming and transmuting this wild energy. To let go of the mind that is trying to understand it, fix it, create a plan. Just offer it up and then let it go. Giving thanks, asking for support, you are deeply loved and you are held. Everything is coming to you at the right time. Deepest blessings and I hope that you enjoy the show. Cast, Angelica, are you there? I am here. Yes. <laughs> we meet again. All right, so this week we have... A very wonderful woman joining us on the show, Christina. And I would love Angelica to share a little bit more about why we invited Christina on to the show. The reason I wanted you, Christina, and welcome. I'm so Thank happy you. to have you. Thank you. Yes, welcome. Mm -hmm. So I, during my own pregnancy, I was introduced to a community called Own Your Birth. 
which is led by Christina Turner, who is here with us today. And um, wow, it was absolutely, I would say life-changing for me, for sure. And uh, Christina, would you like to share a little bit about yourself and the work that you do? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I um, first thing I want to say is that I run Own Your Birth together with my wonderful colleague, Maria Bengtson len uh, yeah. We've been working together for 10 years to try and improve conditions for women giving birth, particularly in Sweden, but globally, really. We're part of a global movement of women, midwives, birth workers, parents who are reclaiming birth from the systemic abuse that's become embedded in routines and procedures that are intended to support women, but very often end up tripping them up and preventing them from having the empowering physiological births they are entitled to by nature and by the love of other women. So yeah, so we, Maria and I, we decided, it was actually at the beginning of the pandemic, we decided to launch Own Your Birth because like I said, we've been birth activists for uh, over 10 years now. But when the pandemic started, we saw that things were becoming even more restricted because women couldn't even meet in person and gather. And often they were prevented from bringing a doula into hospital if they were giving birth in hospital. They were restricted from going to appointments with their partner. And it just seemed, well, we just have to do something right now, urgently. So we decided to host webinars on Zoom and invite uh, all the amazing midwives and other birth workers that we've got to know over the years to speak about their experiences and expertise and also interview women that we uh, knew had given birth on their own terms and had empowering and positive experiences as a result. So we started that during the pandemic and did that for about a year, 18 months, uh, every week actually during the pandemic. Uh, but we've now, we've now created a platform which includes over 40 recorded webinars um, that you can subscribe to or you can uh, purchase tickets to individual uh, webinars and participate live and ask questions. Uh, and we really have managed to gather some of the world leading uh, thinkers in terms of birth on the platform, such as Michelle O'Dant, uh, Neil Shah of Harvard, uh, Hannah Darlan of uh, Australia, uh, Jacqueline Veilstrup of Denmark, um, Deborah Pascali Bonaro, Orgasmic Birth. So we're basically trying to interview all the best people in the world of uh, empowering physiological birth. Um, and that, so that's what the platform is. So that's what Maria, Maria and I, our, our passion is equal and shared. We just want women to have better births and we're sick of the systemic manipulation and gaslighting of women. There's nothing wrong with women's bodies. The vast majority of people are healthy when they give birth, can give birth and should be provided with the right conditions to achieve it. Wow. Yeah. What an wow. opening. <laughs> Yes. Wow. That yes. Was so I'm, I'm curious, how, how, how did you get into this? Um, what was your inspiration to do this work to begin with? Well, with the births of my children, um, I, I was fortunate enough 
to be working with my own spiritual development and having done it quite seriously, probably for 10 years already when I became pregnant and was going to give birth to my children. So I was able to look at the state of pregnancy and birth, perhaps from a slightly wider lens than if you just sort of, you know, follow the conventions of society uh, unquestioningly. So that helped me tremendously. My, my spiritual development really contributed to guiding me onto a path where I looked at birth critically in terms of how it was being treated, valued and organized in modern Western society. And so I came to the conclusion that I did not want a regular hospital birth because I felt that my body was intelligent and there were hundreds of thousands of years of accumulated wisdom embedded in it. And birth and pregnancy was something that had been honored for thousands of years in different cultures. So I just sort of felt intuitively and from a spiritual perspective that it would not be wise to just go blindly into the system. Um, so I gave birth to my first child uh, at an alternative birth clinic, which was like a midwife led clinic without any medical interventions or anything like that in Stockholm. And that was a great experience, but it just made me realize that I wanted to be even more undisturbed uh, so not have someone change their shift in the middle of my labor or, you know, strange smells or unusual sounds that were taking me out of my mammalian body, as it were, as mm -hmm. I was birthing and into the head brain. Uh, so for my second two children, I gave birth at home in water with a midwife I'd chosen in advance and who basically did nothing, which is what a good midwife does. Mm -hmm. You know, just watchful waiting in a corner of the room, completely unobtrusive. And I gave birth to my two children at home. And I had profoundly spiritual initiatory experiences of descending into the depths of my being and the mm. mystery of creation and yeah. going through a very big challenge and initiation ritual through the body Mm -hmm. um, that made me feel a connection with the portal between life and death. I felt very strongly that the moment of birth is intimately connected with the moment of death mm -hmm. and transcends time entirely. So it was a very powerful transformative experience for me. <laughs> and I decided afterwards to um, write a, a, a book about it because I felt there were, there were books like spiritual midwifery and there were books on mm -hmm. home birth, but I couldn't find anything really on what I'd experienced, like a really profound initiation that appeared to be available to all women. Why wasn't anyone talking about this? Mm -hmm. So I wrote my book, Natural Birth, A Holistic Guide to Pregnancy, Childbirth and Breastfeeding, and that was published in 2010. Congratulations. And, uh, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And... Um, that was really the start of it. And then, you know, having had that experience, I then gradually started opening my eyes more and more consciously to the systemic barriers mm -hmm. to healthy, holistic birth and started to understand more and more what the problems uh, were with the whole healthcare system and the pathologization of the female body. Mm -hmm. And that's how, that's what made me into a birth activist. So first it was a spiritual initiatory experience. 
And then I gradually became more and more of a birth activist. And that's that's where <laughs> I am today. I'm, I'm angry. I'm very mm. angry with the systemic abuses of women. Mm-hmm. But I am also profoundly soft and open hearted to simply build and create the new structures that are needed for a truly sustainable, healthy, whole world. And that's so that's what I'm what I'm dedicating my life to, really. Um, I don't make my living out of this. This is what I really wish to do with my being. And I make sure I have the conditions in place to be able to afford to do it materially by I do different work to make my money. But yeah so thank you for sharing that christina what an extraordinary that's what we have to do that's what we have to do it becomes it becomes problematic if we start to try and monetize our Mm -hmm. our spiritual and most innermost uh, values it doesn't mean we shouldn't be paid of course we should be compensated as women for the incredibly important work we do but to always remain free of the patriarchal systems of Mm -hmm. oppression that surrounds us i feel there i feel so very hopeful so many women all around the world are coming together and, and I can feel all the threads in the fabric that's being woven under the surface of women mm-hmm. are simply helping, lifting, supporting, nourishing, and, and also rewarding each other materially by paying for things. You know, people are paying mm-hmm. now for ceremonies, mm-hmm. rituals, blessings, things that just 20, 10, 10 years ago were considered to have no value and you should just do them for free. Yeah. So I'm very hopeful. And that spiritual aspect, all the the story that you just told then and the way that you articulated it, first of all, my heart is so open right now and I just feel completely in tune to what you're saying. But this kind mm. of stuff is rarely is rarely heard when you are connecting to people who may be supporting you through um childbirth, the providers. Mm. And I'm not and because of what we're talking about today, that's where I'm aiming it at. But why are we not why are we not talking about the spiritual aspect and why are we not leaving space in the unknown and the mysterious with everything that comes with childbirth like you said going into that vortex Mm -hmm. altering your state of consciousness Mm -hmm. welcome Mm -hmm. life into the world there is that Mm -hmm. missing link that we're not told and it's almost going towards that well we're being groomed actually so that we move into the system they're taking us emotionally Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. not really sharing the information that we need and especially not telling us the um not going into the spiritual aspect and what that can mean for us as evolving Mm -hmm. humans Mm -hmm. absolutely well my answer to that is because we don't value women and that's embedded in every structure of society because woman is the portal between life and death she is the bringer of life she has the whole of the process of creation unfold in her body and her psyche is wor- is wired to be uh, intuitively telepathically connected to her baby and those around her in her family and there's a great power in womanhood in women's cyclical bodies and in the ability to uh, create nurture give birth to and then breastfeed new life and this is something when you look at historically um, you know the whole field of uh, goddess of the goddess the history of of women's spirituality you can see that this is something that has been recognized and valued historically or prehistorically at least but it is something that has been suppressed and silenced in 
in in the uh, you know with the advent of patriarchal religion and then also all the uh, patriarchal cultural structures that have grown in the last few thousand years and, and, and around which our society is organized. So the oppression of women is systemic and that is at the heart of why we don't see how incredible this experience is and the ability that woman exhibit, exhibits in her body. So I think we've really hindered as a civilization from healing ourselves from the abuse of the planet that has led us to this situation we're in. I mean, this storm that's going on here in London and England right now, this is not normal. And this is part of how we have changed all to the climate of this planet through our capitalistic patriarchal exploitation of the resources of the great mother. And it's a direct reflection of how we view woman and mother mm. as a principle yeah. so that is that is my answer to that question why is this happening Beautiful. i'm just sitting here with chills and tears in my eyes right yeah. now <gasps> wow yeah it brings up a lot like um for mm. me just going mm. into this because i experienced it and when you said about this being a global movement i'd like to go into that a bit more because i'm in costa rica i gave birth mm. here I was planning for a home birth and it was just me and my partner. And in the last moment after 28 hours, like I, I lost my breath. I lost, I lost my state and we went into the emergency clinic and there, you know, mm -hmm. as you would expect bright lights, I didn't have, I can't speak Spanish very well. And mm -hmm. I was really just like taken over. And mm -hmm. in that moment when my stomach was being pushed, when my vagina was being pushed down. So I tore mm -hmm. the baby, like mm -hmm. Raya, my baby was welcomed into the world without any um, forceps or any hands on. I think we couldn't really mm -hmm. see, but this is what I'm, this is what comes through when I have the memory. And then after that, having my placenta twisted and pulled out and then being stitched by random people and then mm -hmm. going on to the maternity clinic to be swabbed to have to make sure that my placenta had been um, had mm -hmm. fully been birthed and me saying, stop, please. And them ignoring mm -hmm. me, threatening me with mm -hmm. a catheter. And for me, when I, I educated myself as much as I could beforehand, but nothing can really you don't know what you don't know until it's happening mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. And now mm -hmm. on the other side, it, it breaks mm -hmm. my heart. But at the same time, it's like, I would not have known that. And I don't think that everyone should go through it just because so that they know. But I saw mm -hmm. things that I would never have seen. And maybe I wouldn't be here doing this today if that hadn't happened. Mm -hmm. But when you said the, the global movement, how does that work? Because I... I find it difficult to look for information. It's not readily available to what are your rights. Mm. Even when I was in the hospital, they said to me, your baby is property of Costa Rica. And I was like, damn, like, what, what does this mean? Like, what are my mm. rights here? Mm. Mm. So it must be a challenge to go globally. Well, it is absolutely. But I think, you know, just like the, the way the world is being woven under the surface by women right now, as we speak, it's very similar to the mycelium of mushrooms under the ground. You know, it's not mm -hmm. it's not a structured it's not in a structured way. We are simply reaching out and finding each other and recognize each other and resonating with each other mm -hmm. and then lifting each other up. And you know, social media, I'm not a fan of social media. I've left both Facebook and Instagram on my, my private profiles. 
Um, but it is a way of connecting with like-minded people from all over the world and you immediately recognize each other's tone and you reinforce, um, uh, you, you know, for example, your story, if, you, if you're not sharing that with someone who is in resonance with your feeling, the response would just be, oh my God, thank God you managed to get into hospital in time. Yes, that's that was it. so fortunate. <laughs> Otherwise you and your baby would have died, you crazy woman trying to give birth on your own as if your body knows how to do that. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you're almost um, so, shamed. <laughs> like yeah, how dare you put your baby yeah. at risk? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And then the focus is on the baby. This, pro like you say, the property of Costa Rica, the focus is on this product that your body is producing you're, you know, you're a gestational carrier of something that can be uh, controlled and has higher value than your experience. Obviously, your baby is the most precious thing in the world. That's an obvious thing, which I don't need to say. You know, I've got children myself, but but I am I am very concerned about the way we view women as production units of mm -hmm. babies, placentas, uh, umbilical cord blood, mm. uh, you know, the with waters, amniotic fluid. There is a productization of the female body and birth that's going on at the moment. And the counter movement to this for the women and birth workers and, and partners that see what is going on, they are becoming more vocal and, and getting together in the forums that are available. I mean, like it's either, it's either online and, and that's what I mean about global because I have come into contact with some of the smartest, most amazing people in the world by simply stating my truth. And mm. by that, I mean like Harvard obstetrician, Neil Shah, who's launching a global program, program of team birth to empower women in the birthroom all over the world. This is someone who's worked with Barack Obama, who's doing this together with Oprah Winfrey. So it's not like, you know, some sort of- wow. It's not mum. It's not mumbo jumbo or hippie stuff. This mm. is very, you know, th th this is something that is internationally recognised, and, and obstetric violence is recognised by the World Health Organization and the United Nations. And the obstetricians that are courageous enough, humble enough, and intelligent enough to see what is going on, they stand up and say it. So it's not just you know hippie women or anything like that. Right. I want to make that very clear. It is a global movement of recognizing that there is something very wrong in the field of birth, but the systemic pressures are enormous because it's partly, you know, the whole follow the money thing with the pharmaceuticals industry and the medical complex, um, that of course there is a lot of money to be made from any, any disease, any illness, anything that can medic be medicalized and pharmaceutical uh, treatments provided. There is that, but it's, it's not just that. If only it were that simple, that it was like, you know, bad people doing bad things to us. But actually the root of the problem is embedded in right in front of our noses in the way we unconsciously think at birth, the immediate people around us. So I think it's a gross oversimplification to say it's all about the, the fault is with hospitals, obstetricians, or um, some sort of external system, the pharmaceuticals companies. The problem is actually with us, and this is why it is such an important part of the collective healing of mankind, that we need to heal our view, of woman, mother, and our relationship with nature and the biospheres, 
the ecological processes and cyclical changes that occur all around us and also in our bodies. That's for me where the heart of the problem lies. The outer structures are a manifestation of what is wrong with our psyches, if you like, you know, that we've turned to this exploitative model to constantly get more and more and more and trying to fill the void in our souls with acquiring things, purchasing things, trying to protect ourselves from every eventuality and, and uh, you know, prioritize some sort of illus illusory safety over our actual fundamental well-being and being alive. You know, being alive means encountering death at every moment. Yes. You're not going to be able to organize a life trying to control death, tragedy, accidents, injuries out of it. You know, hospitals operate on the basis of trying to minimize harm. So they have to look at the overall research evidence for large population groups and then try to establish routines and procedures that will be applicable to those large groups. But that kind of research is never going to take into account your specific circumstances, your health your ancestry, you know, your, your genetic predispositions, your psychological well-being, your age, your level of education, all those individual factors that make a difference to your risk profile are irrelevant in a mass analysis. So although it's very tempting to just blame hospitals and doctors and think if they just got it, everything would be different. I think that is an oversimplification. I think the main challenge is to, to, to shift the collective view of, of what motherhood, birth, and being a woman means, because I think that is at the root of the problem. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, wow. Let me take a moment. I, I love what you were saying. Everything that you're saying just resonates so much. And mm -hmm. it almost takes away from, we have this blame culture. We want someone to be angry at because we have these wounds that it just feels mm. better to attack instead of mm. going inwards and feeling actually what's happening. And like, I can say that for myself. Like I thought I had done deep work, but I realized that my subconscious belief was the safest place for me was still there. And I still didn't believe that it was with myself. And so mm. every time we go deeper and we ask questions, to really what are our beliefs and our values and what is is inside and also with that marrying it up with the the science that we have with what's mm. happening in the world mm. these things mm. they all come together it's not just one thing it's a accumulation and like you said I love when you were talking about the mycelia underneath just like connecting and telling stories and I think that's mm. what it comes mm. down to the beauty of women and mothers telling stories and sharing and things just mm. clicking into place and coming to light. Mm -hmm. yeah. The intuition, listening to ourselves once again. And we all brought up in a, in a society where, where we used to everyone telling us what is right and wrong. Uh, the doctor knows the best for you and your mother knows the best, your friends knows the best, you know, and just mm. stop with that. Just stop it. Stop asking mm. other people for permission to mm -hmm. maybe... And, you know, just do whatever you want to do. Follow your heart. Listen to your intuition. How do I want to? So many women, like, I don't want to put my, let's say, um, yeah, my my daughter or son in, in preschool at one year. But, you know, the whole, everyone is saying, but that's that's what you're supposed to do. 
And I think we just, yeah, we definitely need to come back. We have to come back to ourselves. And yeah. Yeah. And that, and that, you know, it also involves taking responsibility because the following yeah. the rules and listening to what you're being told and following the system, it, it, it's, it's an easy way out in a way because you don't have to take responsibility. Yeah. Like right. you say, you can blame someone else if something goes wrong, mm -hmm. but then you will also lose your autonomy and your sovereignty over your life, yourself, your baby, your body. So with that sovereignty also comes responsibility. And I think that is the place from which you will be able to birth in power and uh, from your own true, truest self is when you accept the responsibility for your choices and right. don't just, you know, um, pass them on to someone else to fix you mm. and fix your situation. And that's challenging because, like you say, that's not really how we're brought up. And it's also complex because, in, like you rightly say, th there is authoritative knowledge. There is science has a value. The academic mm. papers and the big studies, they are important because they can improve things for many people. And our, our societal structures have to be organized on some basis. So I think fundamentally it just comes down to your individual choice. You need to make the right choices for you and they're never gonna be identical or the same for anyone else. And just to avoid, like you say, that scapegoating um, of, this, of, of, of the system, just accept this is the world I, have, I am born into. These are my conditions. This is where I can operate. And what, what choices do I have? And can I assume responsibility for them myself? Mm. Yeah, this is something that was really brought up for me during my pregnancy and why I also valued having you and Maria <laughs> at my side. You know, we never met in person, having you there every week and being educated. And I, you know, I was just led to, I, I would say my baby, my spirit baby led me to a free birth. She wanted to be mm. birthed at home with me and my partner and, and but you know, after uh, it was absolutely beautiful, I definitely felt that this is my responsibility. This is mm. my body, and I want to. I want to learn how to surrender to this amazing, beautiful ceremony of pregnancy, mm. and really to listen and and just stop running around doing what we are being told. And mm. the birth was just, wow, incredible. It was the, the biggest rite of passage I've ever gone through. Mm. But then afterwards, I obviously I needed um, um, some certification or personal ID for my, for my daughter. This is where mm -hmm. the problem started to um, occur for me. You know, I mm -hmm. had to go to the BBC, which is like the Swedish, um, mm -hmm. how do you, what do you call it? Uh, like the midwives. Yeah, like, yeah, child clinic was, I am not sure. Sorry. Yeah, child clinic. Yeah. And then, and then they saw me as this crazy woman who just, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they were treating me so badly, me and my partner, like we were just completely lost and out of it. And I was so empowered and I was so mm. I was feeling that everything that I did, I did for her and I did for mm. me. Mm -hmm. I was educating myself. I took my power back and I was, mm. 
you know, just living the dream of my life, basically, really coming back to that sovereignty, as you were talking about, mm-hmm. and uh, responsibility, and we were looking into death, we were talking about, okay, mm-hmm. so what if death occurs, but this is also, there's never, ever a guarantee in mm-hmm. life, I don't even know what I, wh- where I'm going to be in five minutes from now mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. so I think that we have been, you know, we have been taught to, to just live in fear, like if mm-hmm. in fear all the time and we have lost connection with death and that is a possibility and it happens in nature every day mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we are part of that cycle as well so you know well it ended that you know this child clinic they called the social services on us and mm-hmm. for no mm-hmm. reason they just wanted to fight and find yeah. and just saw a red flag when we came in and it, it was not a very pleasant thing to experience when you are in your postpartum period and your baby's one month and you have to pretend because what we ended we ended up having to pretend that we were people that we were not really so that they would just get out of our back so I'm was, very sorry to hear that that's dreadful and that should be reported that is absolutely not acceptable and yeah. no one should have to experience that it should be reported thank you for saying that <laughs> Mm-hmm. absolutely wrong it's your body you you can give birth where you, you can give birth up a tree if you want it's up yeah. to you you can give birth standing on your head if you want mm-hmm. yeah, there is absolutely that. nothing in in law to prevent you from doing that you you mm-hmm. are the agent of your birth and in fact uh, according to uh, the human international human rights Uh, governments are obliged to provide support for home births and they don't, you know, in Sweden, they they don't. This has been tested in the European uh, Court of Human Rights in a case uh, about 20 years ago, where where the conclusion was that that states are obliged to provide support in practice for home birth. And still it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not implemented because there isn't the public opinion support to, to make it happen. And that's what I mean about how we need to shift in our collective consciousness around womanhood. But yeah, mm-hmm. I'm really sorry to hear that. I mean, I, I, I went to Beavisir once with my first child and, you know, they said he was too small. He needed yeah. to get extra formula milk. And just, I just felt like this is diminishing me. This is not empowering mm-hmm. me. This is diminishing yeah. me. It's making me feel incompetent. And I never went back. So as mm-hmm. long as you assume responsibility yourself and you're prepared to take that responsibility, then you are empowered by making your own choices. I just keep banging on about the responsibility bit because it's, you know, it, it, it would be easy to say, oh, well, I followed Christina's advice and she told me not to, to give to do a free work <laughs> or whatever. But um, uh, that's this. It's very important to um, to not deny that you are responsible for your choices if you Mm. want to have autonomy over yourself. That's all I'm trying to get across. Mm. Wow. Um, I'm just wondering now how how it's been supporting the partners as well because when. Well, I cannot speak for myself, but when Elon, my partner, was laid there watching me go through this abuse, 
he he almost felt like okay this is what happens this is all that he's ever known from what he's been told about any birth that the doctors would just take over but then afterwards we had a lot to work through with himself with his own trauma and I'm just wondering um what you've seen positively come out of working with families from the partner's point of view I think something's shifting there in the younger generation that's what I feel at least in Sweden there is mm -hmm. definitely a segment of men who are much, much more empathetic to the experience of pregnancy and birth and who are open to sharing the emotional load of going through this transformative process. So I do feel that there is something, something changing there. But I also think in parallel with that, that partners are being traumatized not as much as the women who are experiencing it in their bodies and are the main victims, but the partners who are witnessing it, of course it's traumatic. And you know, the partner's role during birth is very much that of being the, you know, the protector, the protector of the space, the safeguarder of the woman who is birthing his child. And to mm. not be able to do that and instead become sort of semi-complicit or just a, you know, a victim witness of watching your partner being abused and then being gaslit afterwards to say, oh, well, we saved her. We saved her with our interventions when the interventions often are the thing that caused all the problems. Mm -hmm. I think that's very abusive towards men as well. And it robs them of their power too and their trust in, in their instinct and their authority and sovereignty over their energetic field. So, and, and then of course, everyone, this is why I say birth isn't really a women's issue because every single person you set your eyes on has been born. And mm. how that happened matters. It matters to the whole rest of their life. It matters to their microbiome, which affects their health way into their 70s, 80s until they die. It affects their psychology, you know, it affects their own ability when it comes to having their children through the epigenetics of, the, uh, of, a, of a traumatic birth or a cesarean birth. It's passed on through the generations. It affects the family unit because of how the mother feels and how she bonds and connects with her baby. It affects other family members. You know, it, 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 the, the impact, the ripples of one single birth are so great. And, and the, so that can't really be underestimated that how, we are born matters whether you're a man or a woman is regardless of really this is a societal issue yeah, yeah. thank you <laughs> i really love also that i remember uh, during the zoom meetings um that you had during my pregnancy also you were also talking to the men and, and both you and maria was working yes daniel mentioned also with families and, you know, even I loved the way you said that, yeah, some people might, you know, even plan for a hospital birth, but they don't, they might not make it. So can we give tools to those women so they can have a birth with more power, you know, with more calm and, and knowing that this is, this is completely natural to them. And then mm -hmm. also if women feel safe at the hospital go there go where you feel safe that is the most important thing it's so important that the women feel safe where they are but then knowing 
what is your rights and then the man as you say who who is the protector because when you are in that process you are not going to be able to just pull out of it and say no stop mm. it's not going to happen so i think it's so important that we include our men to like say hey okay i want to be at a hospital or or maybe you you are at home and then you transfer whatever the story but that we are that we have you know this inf- information to know so we can so how can we example um how can we prevent obstetric violence would you say preparation would... preparation preparation yeah, yeah you know just knowing knowing the field knowing the mm-hmm. understanding the system and like you say you can absolutely have a wonderful positive empowering spiritual experience in in a hospital it's all about mm-hmm. uh, knowing your rights understanding the system you know n- not trying to change it in the moment or trying to understand what an intervention means in the moment when you're mm-hmm. going through labor but preparing so you need the information beforehand you need to understand how your body works during birth and you need mm. to understand what the interventions that are offered as a matter of routine in hospital mean and make your decisions beforehand and then prepare your own methods for protecting your bubble and your space um so really i think the the key is just in the preparation and the birth preparation and your partner is the most important person in the room always the person who can hold space for you mm. the others are attendants on you the family really yeah so I, yeah we we had we held a couple of webinars with with uh, with partners didn't we they were very very rewarding and like i said i was impressed at how the the depth of the spiritual experience that is that is passed on to the partner when a woman has a birth Mm. that is uh, empowering and and on her terms it 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 seems to be very clear to the partner and also actually in some cases where there's been parents present you know like the mother of the woman giving birth there's been an intergenerational healing because the mother has been able to witness a birth that was very different from her own uh, and seen that this this is possible and the healing continues into the coming generations and that it didn't end with her so that's something very beautiful that I've uh, you know I've heard from one of Sweden's most prolific home birth midwives Agneta Bergenheim who's an incredible uh, woman who's been working with home births for 30 years who has experienced several times where the mother of the woman giving birth has been present and how profoundly transformative that experience is too so it's something that changes everyone who witnesses it and an mm. empowered birth and you prepare for it by knowing the facts doing your cognitive work beforehand so you can let go and go into your trance when when the birth when the birth process starts allow yourself to remain within the biosphere of your in- instinctive intelligence and allow it to unfold as it is it has been programmed to by hundreds of thousands of years of uh, genetic uh, wisdom mm. and that's one of the reasons why i started working with uh, you know with, with sense with the essential oils that uh, i've created together with maria in in, in brido organics um, we you know we're just trying to, to provide the tools for the future for for 
for those who wish to remain in charge of their birthing experience, to give them the tools, the knowledge, the scientific research, the wisdom of women's voices who've given birth in lots of different ways. We provide that on the Own Your Birth platform. And then we've created this, these six blends of essential oils that help you through the various stages of pregnancy and birth from, you know, from the mother blessing to going into your contractions and opening up your cervix and protecting the space. So, so that, that's, that's one way of, of creating that bubble around you in hospital through things like music, bringing your own clothes in so you have your own familiar smells, using scents to create a space that when any care provider walks into the room, they get a bit of a shock because it does, they can't do things automatically on, you know, by routine if they're taken out of their mechanical behavior, which they will be if the, if the music, the lighting, the smell, everything is different. Maybe you have an altar, create an altar in the hospital with your particular power symbols, things, things that mean a lot to you and hold meaning to you. Then you are claiming that space as your own and you can create that safe space anywhere and your partner can be an important very important part of that mm. yeah I also remember that you said or I, I don't remember if it was you but it was also during one of these um, meetings about it's so important also that yeah you know we're emphasizing the home births or um, other people yeah that it's, it's, it's also becoming a, a huge thing but we don't want the the hospital routines to let's say get legalized everywhere, but we, we don't want the routines to follow the women into the homes. Yeah. But once again, here it, it's about the woman and, and the family taking responsibility and, and really taking time to interviewing the midwives that they want to work with or um, to make sure that that doesn't happen because I mean, it would be tremendous if, yeah, okay, it gets legalized all over the world to birth at home, but then we have all the same interventions, but in their in their houses. But yeah, yeah, wasn't... exactly. There, there is there's definitely that risk because if mm. the as long as the midwife is employed by the hospital and is acting in accordance with the hospital's routines and procedures, then we're back to what I was talking about before with these studies on huge population groups where you have to have certain standards and routines in order to minimize harm to the to the majority but that also means disregarding the individual factors that um, apply to to a specific woman so yeah absolutely I mean I would never hesitate prioritize your birth supporter over everything else over a pram mm -hmm. over a car uh, mm. over your flat everything because this experience is going to shape the rest of your life and it can potentially be a source of trauma suffering depression and weakening or it can be a source of strength transformation and joy and power for the rest of your life i'd like to to make an example of something in my own life, you know, my birth, because um, I was fortunate enough to make the choices and decisions I made at the time, were profoundly empowering spiritually, physically, emotionally, psychologically. And that source of strength, I didn't realize at the time what a treasure that was that was going to follow me through my life. And I think that is partly the reason why I have the 
stamina to continue this work over time because I have access to that deep well of wisdom and nurture that I have seen because I went there fully. Mm. I was there. I have seen the mystery of creation with all the veils removed. And I have seen my own dirty, fearful, intense fire power that I hold in this vibrant body full of life. And then the inevitable tragedies and misfortunes that befall you as you move through life, no one is spared from them. But when you encounter them, instead of becoming a passive victim with burden after burden added onto you, if you have gone through this profound initiation of transcending a very great insurmountable difficulty, which childbirth is, that is what, a, it's a purgatorial experience, I would say, uh, almost hallucinogenic because of the trance-like state you enter. If you have access to that, you can deal with anything. And mm. why wouldn't you want to curb yes. that power in women? Yeah. If women are that strong and take no shit from anyone, that's dangerous for patriarchy mm -hmm. and for, you know, the systemic, uh, structures that, that it's very challenging for that if women are that powerful and that strong and and also because women's power is kind of how can I say it? mystical intuitive not linear it's not linear it's not you know men often describe it as irrational or hysterical or they find it frightening this changeability that we have that we embody um, if that is coupled with power and conviction, it becomes, uh, you know, groundbreaking and revolutionary. So no wonder so much effort has been put into trying to curb that mm. power that we can gain access to when we give birth. Yeah. And I think in these times, it's it's like what is happening now with the, with the movement and the women rising and, and coming back to their innate power again is that we're creating this parallel world. We're creating a new world and we do not just accept anymore. So exactly. even though they, they continue threatening with, you know, midwives having their license taken away, for instance, or yeah, take it, you know, I'm just gonna go on the radar. I'm still gonna do this. I'm still gonna be here. I'm still of service of the woman and, and her, and you know, the birth or empowering women. Like you cannot take that away from me. And I think this is so important that we, we are not being led by fear, but that we're being led by the inner fire that we, that we have for this, the passion and, and, you know, really taking back this, this love, you know, <laughs> just loving each other again. And yeah, I don't know, this once again, I'm just, I, I, I feel like I am living in another world that is far away from you know this patriarchal system I mean it's still there but I just I'm just not allowing it anymore in my life because I am responsible for my health I am responsible for my family and you know I am here to to be of service in in love and light and you know whatever comes up for people yeah yeah absolutely beautiful beautiful very <laughs> Is there anything else um, anyone wants to add before we wrap today's episode up? We have covered some amazing things and it's been so wonderful. I feel like I could go on forever. 
everything keeps getting yes. things keep coming up for me that I want to talk about but yeah we have uh, we have our time yeah yeah we have our time <laughs> it's just wonderful to be with you yeah it's been wonderful all, our, all the people listening we are connected and reach out write to me contact me I'm I'm here for real for all women you are such an inspiration Christina I am just so grateful to you know for for you being you and for the work that you're doing and I mean I just wow uh, I just feel like I just want to go out and shout to the world <laughs> right now you're doing it Angelica oh. you're doing incredible yes we're doing it step by step step by step all I'm right. just looking forward to all the mushrooms that are suddenly going to start popping up from our mycelium. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So we can, what we do, we have a discord community. So it's, um, um, and anyone who listens, we, I know Danielle always, we can put down on your birth and radio organic. So you can find the links uh, together listening to this episode. So you can find Christina or Maria, who's also absolutely amazing um and yeah and just reach out for whatever that you would you know need or questions for anything all right thank you all so right. much both of you it's been beautiful hanging out my little one's on my head now so time is <laughs> <laughs> love you both lots and until next time bye until thank you time. so much thank wonderful you. to bye. speak to you lots of love yeah. Bye. Well, that was such a powerful episode. Biggest thanks to Christina. That was insane. So, to finish off this week's episode, we are going to be doing something new this week. This is the first time we've read any stories out from our community. And yeah, we're just so grateful that people are sharing their stories and allowing us to share them with you. So I am going to read this story as I am Marissa. For my first pregnancy, I was totally uninformed and open-minded and overall in great health with a positive and excited outlook on labor and birth. I had a very flexible birth plan, basically none, because I didn't want to be upset with myself over the outcome I did want to birth vaginally with minimum interventions. Through the pregnancy, I went to a popular OB clinic where I was shuffled amongst providers whom I had never really got to know, and our appointments were usually regimented and rushed. As my first and only experience, I thought this was normal. I ended up getting my membranes stripped at 38.5 weeks. Not really sure why. I think my doctor may have even suggested or offered it, which did prompt my labour to begin that night around 1am. I was patient and didn't wake anyone else up. I timed my contractions, took a bath, ate some food and woke my partner and mum in the morning around 7.30 to go to the hospital when contractions were consistently five minutes apart. When I arrived at the hospital, the lady at the front desk of the maternity wing was hesitant to admit me, but had a nurse bring me, bring me to my room to do a cervical check. 
I was four centimeter dilated and she told me that because my water hadn't broken and I was only at four centimeters, I should go back home and labor there. I really thought I had done a good job at listening to my body and I knew things were progressing. So I said I would walk around the hospital and labor until they were ready to admit me. I heard the nurse call the OB from my clinic who was on call that day and I overheard the doctor scoff and say, first time mums. That really irked me and made me feel totally dismissed. The nurse said I should walk around for an hour and return for a cervical check to see how things progress and when I returned she said I was still at four. My water broke as I laid on the table and the contractions became more intense. She said, well, I guess we can put you in a room now. Again, I felt dismissed. My baby was OP and back labor was pretty brutal. Once I got to my room, I spent most of the time in the shower alone, not wanting any help from the attending nurse or even my husband, mom or grandma who were in the room. I was at 10 for my pain threshold and it being my first time had no idea if there were many hours ahead of me and if I'd have the strength to push for hours like all the horror stories I'd heard. I came out to ask for an epidural and the nurse told me it would be at least an hour till the anaesthetist could get to me as he was in another room dealing with an emergency. Again, I felt dismissed. I had no idea that the last couple of hours were the worst of it and I had been in transition. I sat on the toilet. I felt the baby's head crowning. Then, the sudden urge to push. I waddled to the bed and my mum alerted the nurse. Even as I told her, the baby is coming out, I can feel it. She said, okay, let me check your cervix on the bed, as if she didn't believe me. She got so freaked out when she realized I was crowning and told me not to push because the OB was not there. My son was out in about 10 minutes, three pushes. Needless to say, I felt like no one took me seriously. And the second I showed up at the hospital, I knew my body and I felt like I had a good understanding of labor throughout the whole course. But even, but everyone else made me feel like I was overreacting or wrong about what was going on. The positive thing is, because of the lack of attention I received, I was able to labor and progress normally without interventions and have an empowering natural hospital birth. After that experience, I opted to have a home birth for my next baby and became a doula so I could help other women avoid the same treatment I received. Marissa Beck, mum of two, almost three. Congratulations. Oh, Marissa, I'm tearing up as I'm reading that. Oh, I just take a breath. Thank you so much for sharing. Super powerful story. And I'm sending you so much love and with deepest gratitude for taking the time to write this and allowing me to read your words and connect to your story. It's truly beautiful. Oh, and for everyone listening, thank you for staying tuned to, the, tuned to the end. Sending you all so much love and peace. Until next time. Bye.